Hey, welcome to the Fusion ATL podcast. This is Pastor Vance. If you're not familiar with Fusion, we are the young adult ministry for Victory World Church in Norcross, Georgia. We meet every Tuesday at 7 p.m. Feel free to follow us on Instagram at Fusion ATL. I hope you enjoyed this message and we look forward to seeing you soon. Hello, Fusion. Good evening. It's good to be back. It's good. It's good to be back. It's so rude. Somebody's talking to you. If somebody just came up to you and said, hey, it's good to be back, and you just were silent like that, just so you know, that would be really rude, okay? So it's good to be back because it's good to be back with you guys, all right? Last week, I was down with the flu, and it was absolutely terrible. No good news. All right, I'm kidding. I actually do have good news from it. Um, I actually got a chance to rest, which I hadn't had in a little while. And you know, God will sometimes rearrange some things and allow some things uh, that seem like they're really bad, but turn out to be good for you. Has anybody ever experienced that in their life? Yes. So for me, what was terrible for like two days, I mean, I couldn't even move, um, turned out to be beneficial because I got some rest. I was able to just lay there, just lay there and have no real responsibility because I couldn't do anything. It felt good. You guys are silent right now. But I'm telling you the truth. I got to lay there, do absolutely nothing, Um, And even with all the pressures of life and responsibilities and things that I was supposed to do, it was great to not have to do them, right? Isn't that what we look forward to in adult life is like a day where you don't have to do anything? Does anybody feel what I'm saying? So though I don't wish sickness on anybody and definitely not the flu, I just want to share my testimony that even in sickness. There was some good stuff that came, including tonight's message. I was actually really excited to get back and to talk about this because as I shared with you guys in the first message, this parable that we're talking about, uh, this series is not just like some cool idea. The parable is not the catchiest title for a series that you could possibly have. Uh, It doesn't have a ton of ring to it, but I felt like this was going to be really foundational for where we're going as a church, and as individuals. This is supposed to be a training ground. Right here, when we gather on Sunday mornings, on Tuesday nights, we are gathering here to train. Amen? This is not just a place where we gather to meet with God. We we come here and gather to meet with God, meet with each other, and be trained, the Bible says, to do the works of the ministry. Because God has stuff for us to do. Amen? Does anybody in here know that God has something for you to do? Do you believe that God actually has something for you to do? I'm going to ask that question one more time. Do you believe that God has something for you to do? Okay. Because he does. He didn't create anybody for no reason. He doesn't waste time. He does not waste energy. He does not waste words. God wastes nothing. Say nothing. Nothing. God wastes nothing. 
Yeah, you can say nothing again. Nothing. Nothing. God wastes nothing. He doesn't. So when he created you and he created me, when he created the space for this church, when he created all these things, he did it with a plan in mind, with a goal in mind, and that goal was for people to do certain things that he wanted them to do. Are you guys following along? So when God created you, he created you with a plan, with a purpose. He wanted you to do something. I want this to sink in because otherwise you don't know why you're listening. You're not listening to get motivated, to get inspired, to just feel better, to get comforted. I'm hoping all of those things happen, but at the end of the day, I'm hoping that you get something here tonight that is equipping you for what God is using you to do. Not just information. Not just filling up your head with stuff and you becoming wiser and wiser and not doing anything. God wants us to do something. And I believe that this parable right here, understanding this, uh, in the Gospel of Mark, this book, this parable is told several times throughout the Gospels. In the, par- in the Gospel of Mark, the, when the disciples don't understand what Jesus is trying to explain, he says, well, how are you going to understand any of the parables? And Jesus taught through parables. So he was saying, if you don't understand this one, how are you going to understand anything that I teach? So I ask you all the same question tonight. If you don't understand this parable, how are you going to understand anything else that Jesus taught? Do I have your attention now? I believe that if we understand what the truth that Jesus is trying to reveal in this particular passage of scripture, it's going to equip us for our own lives in how we receive and respond to truth and our perspective on how other people receive and respond to truth. I started off with a message about the first part of this parable where Jesus says that a farmer went out to scatter seed And as he was scattering seeds, some fell on the path. And we learned that the path was hardened dirt. And it was dirt that had been hardened from being walked over nonstop. It was the same material as good soil that can be planted in, but it had been trampled on so much that it became rock hard and became impenetrable. And so the seed could never get through it. And so the seed could never do what it was intended to do. And then you learn last week with the panel, can we give it up for the Fusion staff? So grateful for our team uh, just sharing their stories and expounding on what the second part of the parable was talking about, talking about when it fell on rocky ground. And that's pretty much a shallow relationship or a shallow understanding that you can receive the truth and you can receive the gospel and spring up quickly and be really excited, but then when trouble comes, when persecution comes, when tough things happen, you don't stick around because you don't have any root underneath, because you haven't really considered and counted the cost of what it takes to follow Jesus. Today, we're gonna be talking about the third type of soil, and remember, this is about receiving and responding to truth. 
primarily responding to the gospel, the ultimate truth, the most important truth to us, the truth of our existence, the truth that we are humans that are created by God and we were created in his image and we were separated from relationship with him due to our sin. And so he sent his son to pay the price for our sins, demonstrated that he was God in the flesh, resurrected out of the grave after he paid the price for our sins by dying on a cross and now offers salvation to all humanity where we can all be in relationship with him. And he's saying that how you receive and respond to that reality depends on the condition of your heart. And he compares it to soil. So the third type of soil that we are gonna talk about today is the thorns. And I'm gonna pray and then we're gonna jump in. Father, I thank you for your word. Lord, I thank you that you are here. I thank you that you've drawn everyone here today. Lord, I ask that you would help to open everybody's hearts, open everybody's ears, open everyone's eyes. Help us to all see what you are trying to communicate, what you are wanting to do, and how this relates to our personal lives and our personal relationship with you. I love you, and we love you. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. So... In Matthew 13, 22, Jesus says, the seed falling among the thorns, say the thorns. The thorns doesn't sound the catchiest either. But I think if we understand this, it's gonna be monumental for us. The seed falling among the thorns refers to someone who hears the word, but the worries of this life And the deceitfulness of wealth choke the word, making it unfruitful. So what happens here is there's a seed that's planted, and then the seed actually takes root. The seed grows, and it's growing, but there's other stuff growing with it. And there are thorns growing with it that wrap around it and choke it so that it never produces fruit. How many of you guys know that when a seed is planted, the goal is for it to bear fruit? So when God created you, the goal was for you to bear fruit. What does that mean? It means to produce something for other people. Simply put, God created you with your gifts and with your talents, with your preferences, with your desires, with your wiring, with your intellect, with your creativity, with your strengths, with your weaknesses. And he created you in that particular way because of the type of fruit that he wanted you to bear. So you may be driven to do certain things that some other people are not. And that may very well be because God wants you to be going in that direction. Some of you may be really into technology And maybe it's because God wants you to produce something and wants to produce something through you in that area. Maybe you're gifted in music and God wants to produce something through you in that area. Maybe you are gifted in being an admin and you are like killer at administrating and God wants to produce something through you in that area. Say, God wants to produce something something. through me. me. Do you believe that? 
Are you living like you believe that? Some people were a little realer than others. Because God wants to do something through you. Do you see all the analogies to fruit and seeds and cultivation throughout the Bible? Does anybody remember what the first two words that we see God say to a man were? Be fruitful. First two words God ever said to a human being. Be fruitful and multiply, but be fruitful was the first command. So Jesus is bringing it back here, saying the, the intent is still for you guys to be fruitful. Every time I set out to do something, it's intended to bear fruit. As we're walking with God and walking with his Holy Spirit, we are supposed to start exhibiting the fruit of the Spirit. God wants to produce something always. And all of us are bearing fruit. It's just the type of fruit that you're bearing that determines whether it was the right seed. And so God is saying when he plants the word somewhere, there's an intended result and it looks a particular way. It looks like him. And so what's happening here is He's scattering seed, just like what I'm doing right now. The word is going forth. A lot of people could be receiving it differently. And that's determined by the condition of our hearts. Are we open to what God is wanting to say? Even aside from when I'm preaching, when God is trying to speak to you in your personal time, are you open to what he's wanting to say? Because a lot of times we're, we're in here and we're talking about whether we're reading our Bible or not or whether we're praying. First question is, are you open to hear what God wants to say? And that's a real question to ask because it's not always yes. How many of you guys know we all have preferences? And Jesus is Lord. And so when you're in relationship with Jesus... Sometimes he's going to override your preferences, and he, his, his command is going to be to do something different than what you want. And when you get used to walking with Jesus, you kind of know that stepping into time with him is probably going to include some of that. So it takes an open heart to connect with Jesus. It takes a heart that understands God is good. God has the best intentions for me. God is who he says he is. God is faithful in order to really receive. But what's happening here is there are concerns that are growing as this person is growing in their knowledge of Jesus and the concerns are going unchecked and they end up choking out the knowledge of Jesus to where the fruit that he wants to produce is never produced. And so this is the person who comes in here and the calling on their life is never really realized. The calling on their life may be to be the next Billy Graham, but they want to be the next Bill Gates. And not everybody's called to preach. Not everybody's called to be Billy Graham, but we're all called to build the kingdom. 
And this person, this heart condition right here is unable to really produce fruit for the kingdom because they're busy tending to their own kingdom. And so this is a lot of us where we hear the word. We're like, God, I hear what you're saying. I'm going to get to that. But right now, I got to take care of this. I got to take care of my family. I got to provide, right? (laughs) Or God, I'm going to get to that. But right now, school is so busy. So I'm going to get with you. But I've just been tied up. And you can spend your entire life that way. Literally, your entire life. Sprinkling in and out of church, going, some of us, some of us even serving, but our hearts are so disconnected because we've gotten just so into the motions and into the routine. And so we still fit this into our schedule, but our heart is with our worries. And our heart and our minds are consumed with our worries. So the first thing that I want us to to write down is that thorns stunt our spiritual growth. And this is going to be a two-part message um, where we're going to talk about the two things that Jesus brought up in this particular scripture. And the first one tonight, as we're talking about the thorns in our Christianity, the first one is the worries of this life. You can leave that up there for a second so everybody can write it down. So worry, what is worry? Let me take a poll before we put it up. Raise your hand if you know what it means to worry. I think we all know what it means to worry. Some of you guys were worrying, should I raise my hand? Do I know (laughs) what that means? (laughs) And experience the anxiety that comes along with doing anything in a public setting. And some of us, deal with that more than others. But we all know what worry is. But to define it, there's two definitions here. One is to give way to anxiety or unease. And the second one is to allow one's mind to dwell on difficulty or troubles. And so Jesus is saying that people who are giving way to anxiety and unease and allowing their minds to dwell on difficulty or troubles of this life, that can choke out what I'm trying to do in their lives. But you know what's crazy? Most of the time that we're worrying, it's not actually about actual difficulty or troubles. It's potential difficulty or troubles. How many of you have experienced where you were worried about something, the day was coming, say it was a Wednesday, and that Wednesday had an event that in your mind was dreadful? Oh my gosh, I'm going to have to have this conversation with this person. I'm going to run into this person, whatever it is. I'm going to have a test coming up. I have a work evaluation coming up. And then you run through all the potential negative outcomes 
for the month leading up to it. <laughs> then you have the 15-minute conversation, and you leave, and none of the stuff that you were panicking about happened, and it wasn't that bad. Has anybody had a similar experience where it wasn't that bad? Say it wasn't that bad. But we're consumed by this stuff. In fact, I was doing some research because we have become a society full of worry. And psychology today says around 70, they did a poll on just people worrying because everybody does. Around 75% of worries are about the present or the future. Duh. Most people worry at home, about 65% of, of worrying takes place at home. And over half of those who worried at home did so in the bedroom. Over 55% said they worry most between 9 p.m. at night and 3 a.m. in the morning. Does anybody relate with that? That is me. If I'm ever gonna worry, it's when I should be sleeping, when I should be getting rest and slumber, just in the refuge of the Lord, wrapped in his wings, when I should be there, I lay down, close my eyes, then a thought comes, and then I'm like this. <laughs> Now I'm awake for the next four hours thinking about all the potential issues. Ah, I need to have this conversation. What are we going to do in two years? <laughs> so many things that you could be worried about. Does anybody worry when they're supposed to be sleeping. We're, it's, our society's just full of it. And then a lot of times what happens for me is I lay down, close my eyes. Ah, I should be sleeping right now. I'm about to sleep. Boom, all right, something to worry about. Now, here's the trick. The trick is not that I get just overwhelmed with bad feelings. I actually feel responsible and productive sometimes when I'm just actually worrying about stuff. I'm like, boom, eyes open. Man, I got so much stuff to handle. <laughs> Let me get a head start on it. <laughs> Let me start sorting through all this stuff. I don't come up with any actual solutions, but I'm thinking through stuff. It's real. And the crazy thing is, God is saying that a lifestyle of that can get in the way of what he wants to do through our lives because we're not supposed to be worrying, which is crazy, but we do nothing but worry. Actually, one study found that young adults spend more than six hours a day feeling stressed out. And that was like a lot of young adults that were polled. Over six hours. That's like a work shift, just being stressed. 
and nothing changed. <laughs> but they probably at least felt in some of those times, not everybody feels productive and, res- and responsible when they're worrying, but some of them felt like they were just adulting. Like, oh man, I just got so much stuff to worry about. All right, I need to get this taken care of. I need to get this taken care of. You know what, maybe I should do real estate. All right, man, you know, I don't have any money in my bank account. What can I do to get some money in my bank account right now? Uh, hmm, let me think about this. Hmm. The top 20 worries young adults have. Number one, can anybody guess what number one is? Money. Wow, y'all know. Money. Number two is the future. Three is our appearance. Four is weight. Five is health. Getting a job. Getting into a chosen career. How many sleepless nights? Just thinking, just choosing the career. (laughs) Then you got to get into it. Finding a job that pays enough money. That's a different worry, okay? Because getting a job, getting into a chosen career are two different worries. Then getting a job that pays enough money is another worry. The health of a loved one, meeting targets, deadlines, and goals at work, paying bills. Mm. Mm. Work-life balance. Whether I will have children in the future, having a home, college and university deadlines, getting onto the proper ladder. I don't know. (laughs) I don't know. Now I'm going to be worried because I don't know what that means. (laughs) Conflicts with friends, family, and colleagues. That's a real one. That's a huge one. Like even, like conflicts or potential conflicts, like even budding conflicts, like... I see this about to happen. (laughs) We're going to have a conflict any day. Exams, meeting a partner, and student debt. So clearly there is no shortage of things for young adults to be worried about. We can all relate with about 18 of those, except for getting onto the proper ladder. I don't know <laughs> what that means. <laughs> Maybe it's the figurative ladder where you're spending your life climbing this figurative ladder. But why would you be worrying about climbing a figurative ladder? I don't know. Okay. So, clearly, we worry and we have a lot of things that we could be worried about. The crazy thing is, Worrying oftentimes feels responsible because it feels like if we have problems, we should be worried. Like, why would I not be worried about this? That's a good thing. That is my human humanity, my mind doing what it's supposed to do. 
worrying. There's safety in worrying. But there's not, because the only way that that actually makes sense is if you have a God that doesn't provide or a God that doesn't protect or no God at all. But when you have a God who says, I'm your provider, when you have a God who says, I'll take care of actually every need that you have, a God who says, I know everything that you're going through, everything that you're dealing with, and if you stick with me, you will be taken care of. When you have that kind of God, there's actually not space for worry in your life. In fact, Jesus said in Matthew 6, said, therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life. That's a huge statement. Like, don't worry about your life. Like, Jesus is like, no big deal. Like, your life, come on, stop. <laughs> stop worrying, I got this. Don't worry about your life, what you will eat or drink or about your body. Like, why are you worried about that? Imagine how different Jesus' perspective is. And this is why it's so important that we spend time with God because he will realign our perspective and say something wild like, don't worry about your life and actually be there to back it up. Like, no, you actually don't have to worry about it because he's in control of everything. Don't worry about your body, what you'll wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They don't sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Now, most of us don't think that God is feeding birds because we're so self-centered. We think that God created them and just left them to do whatever <laughs> while he takes care of us and listens to our cries and our worries and our prayers. But God is saying like, no, actually don't worry about your life because I have it so taken care of, I'm actually feeding birds over here. <laughs> like God is listening to everything that you're going through, everything that you're dealing with, watching your every move and feeding every bird. And that's just the birds. But every bird, though, like every bird in existence is being fed by our Heavenly Father. I could talk about the flowers. I could talk. He also says that he clothes us like he clothes the flowers in the field. He designed the flowers in the field. The things that we walk by and we don't even pay attention to. And Jesus is like, have you ever looked at the flowers and how lit they look? <laughs> like the, pe the petals are all velvety. And you're worried about what you're going to wear. Like Solomon had everything, everything that anybody could have. And even he couldn't dress as fly as God dresses the flowers. So don't worry. Don't worry about what you're gonna wear. Don't worry about what you're gonna eat. It doesn't say don't eat. It doesn't say don't wear clothes. It doesn't say you can't like food. It doesn't say you can't like clothes. But don't worry about it. Say don't worry. Don't worry. Don't worry 
about it. Are you not much more valuable than they? Talking about the birds. We're made in God's image, called God's children. Birds are not called God's children. They're just called birds. (laughs) All right. So I'm here all night. But God is saying that we're way more valuable than birds, and they don't worry. Like, birds don't have anxiety and worry. They're not being overwhelmed. They're flying, flying around, stopping on the little streetlights, and knowing that their next meal is coming from God. Yet we are in a panic all the time, feeling like we need to be doing more, being more, all on our own, not remembering all the time that God is in control of everything. He owns it all, and he knows that we have needs. Jesus says, the last thing he says there is, can any one of you, by worrying, add even a single hour to your life? No. You want to know why? Because worrying is like the least productive thing you could do ever. It literally does nothing. Has anybody ever solved the problem by worrying about it? No. You just eventually had to stop worrying about it and do something or stop worrying about it and let God do something. So Jesus is calling us to live set apart from the rest of the world. That has really good reason to worry because if you don't have God, well, I can understand why you would be worried because then you are your own source. You are your own provider. You actually do have to do everything on your own, but I'm grateful for a God who's in control of everything and loves me, and actually says, hey, son, you don't have to worry about your life. You don't have to worry about what you're going to wear. You don't have to worry about what you're going to eat. I'm actually going to take care of you. And no matter what happens to you, no matter what anybody tries to say, no matter what anybody tries to do, there's nobody who can stop me. There's nobody who can close a door that I'm opening for you. There's nobody who can open a door that I'm trying to close. There's nobody who can get in the way of God's hand. There is nobody, no one. So there is no boss, there is no company, there is no job, there is no person that can control whether you, as a child of the living God, are going to eat out here. You guys can celebrate him for that. It's true, though. Now, when we can walk around with that type of awareness, it'll change our perspective. Now we actually have time to hear what God is trying to say in our lives. I believe that God is saying to so many of us, if you would just stop worrying about what's going to happen with this situation over here and allowed me to speak into your life. Some of us, we keep praying to God about one particular situation. 
then we're not hearing the answer to that one particular situation. And so we don't hear what God is trying to say at all. And we wonder why, God, I pray to you about this, and then you talk to me about this over here. That's what God does. You want to know why? Because God is in control of everything. And so even though we're worried about certain situations, he doesn't have to necessarily answer you about a situation that he's taking care of. He might be saying, well, I know he's saying that he has it taken care of, but to you with that particular prayer, I know you're praying about this. But that's not really a big deal right now. I'm taking care of that. This right here that I'm talking to you about is a big deal. But so many of us will get turned off by not hearing the prayer, by not hearing the answer to the prayer that we want to hear. But God has it taken care of. Amen? So he's calling us to live set apart. We can live set apart from the world's, not just, a lot of times, man, we think that God is just calling us to live set apart and holy and set apart from the fun things that the world gets to do. No, we actually get set apart from so many of the results of those behaviors. And we get to live set apart from worry, set apart from insecurity, set apart from unhappiness, set apart from lack of peace. Amen? We get to live set apart from those things because we have a God in heaven who is taking care of us, who has his Holy Spirit here with us, living inside of us, speaking to us, giving us the information and the wisdom that we need, leading us and guiding us on the path that he's carving out for us. So in 1 Peter, he tells us, cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Somebody needs to hear that. God cares. Not just get over it, not just, hey, don't worry about that, because I don't like worry. That's not what God is saying. He's not just grumpy. He's saying, I'm actually in control of everything. I'm actually taking care of everything, and I care about you, and I heard you the first time, and I'm taking care of you. God loves you. God cares for you. That's why we can cast our anxiety onto him. This this actually has to become a practice in our lives because worry and anxiety is trying to creep up all the time. So how do we do this? How do we live worry-free? Some of you are like, I don't know if I could ever live worry-free. Well, here's a start. Here's the primary thing that I do to stay worry-free in life. And I'm very happy that I get to share this phrase with you because it's the beginning of me becoming a grandpa. It's my grandpa phrase. I don't get to use it probably for like 50 years when I actually have a child and then a grandchild who needs to go, who's going through something, who needs some advice, but it's a short phrase and it rhymes and it feels very grandpa-esque and I get to share it with you guys today. Are you guys ready for it? All right. I need you to repeat this after me. Don't even put it on the screen yet until it's done being said because this is my grandpa phrase. Y'all gotta repeat this after me. Do your best. And let God do the rest. 
What's that, grandson? You're going through something? Hey, look here, boy. Do your best and let God do the rest. This is real, though. This is what I have to do. All you can do is what you can do. Worry comes about what you can't do. That's when you're worrying. Because if you could be fixing the problem in that moment, that's what you, be, that's what you would be doing. At 10.30 at night, 2 a.m. at night, while you're worrying about it, if you could be fixing it at that time, you would be. But you can't. So all you can do is your best. So for you, maybe you're worrying about something going on at work that you don't have a ton of control over. What can you do? Do your best at that and then let God handle the rest of it. Some of us are struggling in our finances. Don't just ask for a miracle when you're not doing your best. That's why the first part is very important. Don't just, hey, let God, no. No, not let go and let God, don't let go, all right? Do your best, all right? Not swipe, swipe and let God do the rest. No, do, do your best and let God do the rest. But you gotta do your best and then God will do the rest. I'm a living testament to this. This works. And you want to know why it works? Because you literally can't do anything else. If you're doing your best, what more can you do? So if there is a God, which there is, and he's involved in our lives, what more could he expect from us than our best? And your best in that moment. Your best today may not be your best tomorrow, may not be your best from two years ago. Some of us are still trying to be the two years ago version of ourselves, the five years ago version of ourselves. Maybe that's not you right now. But what's your best right now? What can you do right now? Yeah, okay, maybe you got paid and you have $4.79 left because things weren't stewarded all the way the best. Do your best with that $4.79 and then let God do the rest. And then do your best next time. And if you are doing your best already and maybe you have $4.79 and you were doing your best, then cool, what more could you possibly do? Let God do the rest. Do your best, say do your best, and let God do the rest. That's it. Now you guys have a grandpa phrase that you could share with people around you when they're going through something, but you, you got to look over your shoulder, even if, even if they're on that side, you got to turn. When they say something, you'd be like, what'd you say? What's that? Do your best. All right. Let God do the rest. And then you just leave. No matter where you are, even if you're at work. <laughs> even if you're at work, you got to clock out because you said what you said and it's a mic drop moment and you got to go home and come back tomorrow. And they'd be like, wow. Do your best and let God do the rest. 
So three steps for when you feel anxiety creeping up, ask yourself, what can I do about this situation right now? Ask that question. When bills, potential partners, climbing that ladder that the list was talking about, student debt, the future, money. When these things are trying to creep up in your mind and cause anxiety, ask yourself, what can I do about this right now? What can I do about my future right now? Maybe there is something. Maybe it's get some sleep so you're not cranky tomorrow. And so, or so you actually wake up on time and go to work on time. While you're worrying about the future, being late for work tomorrow, that's not going to help. But ask yourself, what can I do about this situation right now? Step two. It's profound. Do that. <laughs> what can I do about this situation right now? Maybe you're not healed yet in a situation that you're wanting healing in, and it causes worry, and it causes anxiety, and the questions, is this ever going to happen? Am I ever going to get healed in this situation? Okay, well, what can I do about that right now? I can pray. Do that. Because it's not always frivolous things that we're worried about. Most of our worries are from real stuff. So I'm not saying you're not going through anything. All I'm saying is worrying doesn't help. And Jesus is saying that worrying can actually get in the way of everything he's trying to plant in your life. And from the salvation that he's given you leading into the purpose that he's called you to. And so when we learn this process right here about how to not let worry get in our way and choke the life out of us, how many of you guys know if you're not worrying, you feel like you can breathe, you feel like you can relax? Well, you can actually live that way. And it's not because things aren't gonna happen, it's not because challenges aren't gonna come, but worry doesn't have to be one of them. If something bad is happening, Let's not add worry to it. And so what can I do to help the situation right now? Maybe it's, oh man, I've been taking forever to get back to this person and that causes anxiety. It's like, ah, I'm supposed to get back to this person. Ah, I don't know what to say. Ah, now two weeks have gone by. Ah, this is awkward. What can I do about this situation right now? Say something. Just say something. Say what you were going to say. Something simple. Send the email. Don't have email anxiety. Send it. Reply. Boom. Done. Send the email. Check your bank account. Like that. I think I may have overspent and it's causing me anxiety, but I don't even want to look at the transaction history. What can I do about this situation right now? 
I can look. I can see the damage that may have been done. And what can I do about this right now? I can make a plan to do better. Or if it's 2 a.m., close it and go to sleep. And then make a plan tomorrow. This is going to help some of you guys tonight. Because some of us are going to start worrying as soon as we hit the door. And you don't have to. What can I do about that situation right now? I preached a message called Clean House back in December. Some of y'all are still feeling anxiety because you have not cleaned up. Okay? I get it. But you don't have to feel the worry and feel the anxiety. What can you do about that situation right now? Well, clean up. Or... Maybe not today, but put together the plan for when you're going to do that. Maybe sometimes it's just, let me put a day on the calendar for when I'm going to do this thing that's been causing me this anxiety. And maybe then I can actually pray because I have time and mental space that I have not been giving to God because I've been giving it to this random thing over here that is not that big of a deal. Amen? Amen. Amen. Philippians would say it this way. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and your minds as you live in Christ Jesus. Most of us have heard about God's peace and God's peace that surpasses understanding and we don't understand how to get it, it's in the first part of that scripture right there. Don't worry about anything. The first step is, hey, there's actually a command here. Don't ask God to make you not worry. You're actually in control of that. He's saying, don't worry. Instead, pray. Tell God what you need. Thank him for all that he's done. Then his peace will guard your hearts and guard your minds. Why? Because he actually answers prayers, and he will actually take care of you. Amen. Amen. Last scripture I want to read tonight is in James. He's talking to the church, and he says, What causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? Your own worries and concerns. You desire, but you do not have, so you kill. You covet... (laughs) excuse me, you covet, but you cannot get what you want, so you quarrel and fight. You do not have because you do not ask God. When you ask, you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. But what James is saying here is you guys have a lot of crazy stuff happening. A lot of fights, quarrels, lack of unity and division. And it's all taking place because you're not asking God for what you need. You're looking at it in other people's lives and you're thinking you have to get it from these sources that can't provide it. Sometimes that source is yourself. You're trying to be your own provider because there's pressures around you telling you that you should be and you can't. You don't have all the wisdom that you need, but you can do your best. And in relationship with God, 
He'll take care of you. He wants to partner with us. He wants to do life with us. But he's not just a genie that we ask for our own random desires and just to feed our own pleasures. That's what he's saying are the prayers that don't get answered. But the prayers from a child to a parent, from a son or a daughter to their heavenly father, hey God, you, I know you take care of all of my needs. This is happening right now. And I trust that you are willing and able to take care of me. I thank you that you've taken care of me up to this point. And I'm gonna lay this at your feet and I'm gonna do my part over here. And I thank you that you're taking care of the rest. And maybe I don't know where this is gonna come from. Maybe I don't know where you're sending relief from, but I know you're sending it because I know that you're alive and I know that you love me. And so if that's you today, if there's something that's been bothering you, if there's something that's been stirring in your heart, if there's something that's become overwhelming sometimes, I wanna take a moment to pray with you. And with every head bowed and every eye closed, I wanna pray a prayer with you. God, I thank you for everyone that you've sent here. Lord, I, I thank you that you are a God who cares, a God who hears, a God who knows. You know everything that we're dealing with. You know the things that we're going through that we can't even explain to other people. You know the challenges that we're facing that seem impossible to solve, the obstacles that seem insurmountable. But God, we know that you're a God that moves mountains. We know you're a God that calms storms, that speaks to the winds and the waves. God, we know that you're in control of everything. We know that you're sovereign, Lord, and you said don't worry about our lives. And so Holy Spirit, I'm asking for you in this time to make that real in our lives, to by your grace and by your power, by your spirit at work within us, Lord, would you help us to not worry about our lives, to cast our cares onto you, to cast our anxieties onto you, Lord, to let you do the rest, to let you take care of us, to let you take care of what we can. And Lord, then let your peace guard our hearts and guard our minds in Christ Jesus, in Jesus' name. And maybe on top of that, Worry was a real thing for you tonight, but even more than that, maybe you don't have this relationship that we're talking about. Maybe you haven't had a relationship with Jesus Christ. And if that's you today, I wanna give you an opportunity with every head bowed and with every eye closed, I wanna pray a prayer with you if you're saying, I want to receive Jesus Christ in my life today. I want you to pray this prayer with me and every believer around the room is gonna pray with you. Jesus, I believe that you're the son of God, that you are God himself who came in human flesh, that you paid the price for my sins by dying 
and that you showed your power over death by resurrecting. I receive you as my leader and as the savior of my soul. I turn away from my old life, from everything that I was worried about, and I'm turning to you, and I'm committing my life to you forever. My life is yours now. I will live for you, and I will live with you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. If you just prayed that prayer, I want to give you an opportunity that we like to extend around here to celebrate because we don't take that lightly and we think that that's a very big deal, right guys? So if you made that decision today, I want to give you an opportunity. Jesus said, those who acknowledge me in front of people, I will acknowledge in front of my father and the angels in heaven. But those who deny me in front of people, I'll deny in front of my father and the angels in heaven. And so today I wanna give you an opportunity to just acknowledge your choice to walk with Jesus. We all have. And so I'm gonna count to three and on the count of three, we're all gonna go crazy. And then we're gonna give you an opportunity to stand up and just celebrate. So one, two, three. Hey, thank you for listening. We're so glad to have you as a part of our community. If you want to get connected any further, please visit fusionatl.org. You can get plugged into a small group there, and you can also send in a prayer request so that we can pray for you. Once again, thanks for listening, and thanks for being a part of Fusion ATL.